0: Why yes, we are amazing. Why yes, we are incredibly awesome. Why yes, we just continue to give and give and give some more. It's the we church. Mr. Churchboys here on a on a Monday night, well, like, or Tuesday morning depends on when this finally gets posted like, <laughs> when I get my act together. We're recording on we're recording on Monday, but whenever we get our act together, that's when it'll be posted. But anyway, it's a little bonus episode. Well, a bonus. It counts as a regular episode, but we'll still. But it's a bonus. Right. It's, a it's bonus a, wait, for doing for Pedro. An, let's say it's okay. Merry Christmas, Pedro. Uh, anyway, we are here. We're here. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Billy doesn't like it when I use that old saying.
1: Because honestly, we're gonna end up getting sued by somebody. <laughs> that's how it all. That's how it all ends. Anyway, um, so we're here to
0: do an extra little episode. We're still planning on. I mean, we're doing one later this week, right? Yeah, okay, we better our, be. We're doing our regular weekend episode. We're yeah, to, we but have, it's Monday we have and people to beat in the metrics. That's, That's right. what we have. Absolutely, you have no idea how badly we want to beat people in the.
1: Speaking of weight, but speaking of wanting to beat people or elves, <laughs> 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 let's talk about let's talk about a Christmas tradition. We had Chris and I had an instant oh. message um, mm. conversation this week, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it was disturbing mm-hmm. the level of anger. It devolved into total instant message. Slack chaos because I mentioned Elf on the Shelf. And oh, I am not I actually I happen to think Elf on Shelf Elf on the Shelf is a miniature version of Chucky waiting to kill you in your sleep. <laughs> but I don't hate Elf on the Shelf anywhere oh, near as much as Chris.
0: I said there there are a few things in my life that I allow to let me see red, but when I think about our stupid effing elf on the shelf, I go nuts. That <laughs> thing Pisses me off beyond belief. It ruins the holidays for me. But is it a are, boy
1: or a girl? Ours is a boy. Wait, I, I think they all look androgynous, mm-hmm. but they are. Uh, but they do say I'm a boy or I'm a girl. Like they have oh, to let they? you know on the packaging. because oh, It's not clear. Okay, looking well, ours, at it, but ours is a boy. Why do you hate? What oh, What hate did it. the elf do to you? Like, what, when did this start?
0: Well, it's this annoying pseudo tradition that's based on somebody's little little book that they wrote and this friggin' doll that they sell. And it's just a nonsense little story, and it's just total crap. This elf flies home. I mean, is there any way? Listen, it's hard enough keeping the Santa Claus lie going. Okay, I'm saying this <laughs> kind of quietly because my kids are in the other room while I'm recording. My, did you, you gotta, just ruin Christmas? No. For but you want to keep the Santa Claus thing going because it's fun. I love the Santa Claus thing. But then you bring out this stupid little freaking elf on the shelf bastard, and he sits. I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> See how much this is? You can't even control have yourself. To, But he, this little guy comes out and is there any, he doesn't even look like a real thing. Like he has no hands, no no feet. feet. And he just sits there and they can see the whole thing depending on where, and he has to be hidden every day. So there's that, there's that monstrosity. Well, it's another task on top of of it. Give me an errand. That's fantastic. So yes, now I've got another chore to do around the house. And by the way, we forgot the other night and my daughter wakes up. She comes down the stairs, and within seconds of hitting the bottom of the stairs, hey, Cappy's in the same place. Cappy's the name of the elf. Cappy? Yeah, I don't know. My kid, Wait, my what kids, C? Yeah, like, I think it's short for Captain or something. I don't know. My oh, kids are idiots. My,
1: ours is Elfie. Elfie. Well, that's original.
0: Yeah, Elfie well, the Elf.
1: <laughs> look, but the funny part is, you look at the features of the uh, elf on the shelf, and it's disturbing because you're like, okay, you know, with a Barbie or whatever other dolls there are right. that you have features you can understand. There are Barbie's hands. Got, there, are Barbie's feet. got great features. Well, yeah, of <laughs> course, but the features on the elf are bizarre. And oh, my three-year-old, she's like, "Where is his feet? Why doesn't he have feet?" I don't right. know. How to, I don't exactly. even know how to answer the question of what the elf on the shelf is. I can't tell you why he doesn't have feet. I don't know. It's he's awful. awful. It is, and
0: but so you look at that and you're going like. Is there any faster way to get, make the kids question whether or not Santa is real by having this stupid elf with no feet that's obviously a toy, right? It's a stuffed doll, cheaply made stuffed doll. Probably some, you know, eight-year-old kid in China had to put him together at eight cents an hour. And this guy, and this is supposed to be my new Christmas tradition. You know, forget you. We'll get don't let the door hit you in the butt as you go out. Just pound But Yet, in, you, yet jerk. you do it. <laughs> The wife insists. On, the kids love it. The wife likes it. I mean, the wife thinks it's great. Do you ever use it as a control mechanism for the kids? No. Oh, I do. No, I don't. And I don't really. I rarely. I don't ever pull the like Santa Claus is watching you thing either. I no, mean, no.
1: I'm like Elfie will never come back.
0: Oh no, I don't do that.
1: Is that a, well? I don't really say that, but I say Elfie sees you. I, I do do yeah. that and it does work. I
0: don't. I I do. I do nothing. I do nothing that could possibly make the kids think that I buy into the elf, other than I move him every night. Well, does
1: your wife? Does your wife no. buy into it more?
0: Uh, she just insists on doing it. She doesn't really buy into it. <laughs> and of course, her insisting on doing it means insisting on me doing it, right? Right, 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 right. exactly.
1: So, Elfie's on our Christmas tree, which might die because why don't we talk about the Christmas tree outrage? <laughs>
0: oh, First of all, love we win it. I hope a Christmas. Tree. I hope that you have a
1: short in the lights and your house burns down. That's what I, I hope. hate. I, I'm i outraged. This is my outrage of the week, okay? Because I cannot believe this. I demanded that we go and get the tree. I was like, we got to go get it. We've got to go get it on, I think it was like last you Sunday. You
0: trudged into the mountains, cut down your own Christmas no, tree. Yeah, we went to Home Depot. Oh. I was
1: like, we're already out to dinner. We can't handle getting the kids out of the house at any other time. Let's go right now. Right. So we went. And we picked out a tree we thought was amazing. We got it home; it was crooked. Okay, did not look crooked <laughs> at Home Depot. It was crooked by the time we got home. Did you but, wait? Did
0: you pull the net? Or did you open it up so that you could fluff out all the
1: branches? Yeah, we on the loved camera? the tree. It looked wonderful in the Home Depot dark lighting at 8 p.m. It did but not how, look good. Do, in you our didn't homes.
0: bother to like stand it up and hold oh, it. E- That's what it you don't understand. Always... We did everything. No, you we did everything. Obviously, you didn't because I
1: think when they cut it, to be honest with you, they cut it uneven a little bit on the bottom, and I didn't realize. Oh, so it's not so, like the 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 tree trunk is like broken no, no, and bent. It's, like as you said was, when you set it up it's all okay, right i got you so fine so we, it's not
0: your incompetence then
1: not this time but okay. we, but we fixed it everything was fine but it was really sappy like you touched the tree and your hands were like covered in sap right so it's the worst we, too it is the worst you can't get it off we we set the tree up we've decorated it, everything and the stupid thing's not taking water oh. I took a drill to it i drilled holes everywhere in the bottom of it yesterday Daddy, in a Daddy, panic
2: what are you doing to the Christmas tree.
1: Shut up. Leave me alone. <laughs> that, that's Let me fix this stupid out. tree. And, and so it still hasn't taken water. I'm, I mean, it was taking a little bit of water, and now it's still filled with water. So yeah. I'm not sure what are the Hallowell's going to need a new Christmas tree? I don't know. Stay tuned. <laughs> have I'm fire- going to start a GoFundMe because I'm not paying another yep. like $80 for a Christmas tree. Do you tree. have a fireplace? A fake one. Oh. It's like a gas fireplace. No, not even. It's like electric. <laughs> so there's no flame. Is there a flame? It's a fake flame. So it's just like a picture of a fireplace. Kind of, but it's like the realest looking fake fireplace ever. I Does love it. Does it put out heat? Yeah. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, I'll send, I'm will send. i going to send you a, a video of it. All right. Fantastic. That won't benefit just, any listeners, but you can see it. I can't wait.
0: That's <laughs> going to be fantastic. Don't waste your time. <laughs> okay, so. But, you know, my wife and I, back when we, I think I was telling you, we lived, back when we lived in Virginia. <coughs>
3: Excuse My gosh! Me,
0: get yourself. Let me, you need honestly. Let me, let me slip. Have a, you had a TB test lately. Let me. <laughs> let me slurp. <laughs> a, let, me slurp a, let me slurp a drink
1: here. Oh, diet coke. Here we go.
0: <clears throat> Excuse me. Oh now, I think I told you. Uh Back when we lived in Virginia, and the wife and I lived in Virginia, and we only had one kid at the time, and we were we had a we liked to get the real trees because it smelled nice, and it was a nice little you know fun thing to do. Anyway. We went to the Home Depot. We got a tree that we loved, and it was beautiful, and we put it up, and we had the same, a similar thing happen. It was just, I don't know if it wasn't sucking water or if it was putting water because we were watering it pretty much every day, but the water wasn't going down as much as it normally would, and then the tree turned practically brown. I mean, like, you touch it, and like the little needles weren't soft at all. They were hard as a, a rock, and they just fall off. So we took all the decorations off the tree, lugged it back to the pickup, Drove it back to the Home Depot or whatever and showed them. They said, well, that's ridiculous. So they just gave us... They they threw it away for us and gave us a new tree, Home Depot or Lowe's or whatever it was. Anyway, that's the worst, though.
1: But yeah, the worst is having to attach a dying tree to your car, too. I don't have a pickup. It's <laughs> um, the White Trash Christmas, look at those right. guys. They're taking a dead tree home for their house. <laughs> they must I be really I'm hard about, on their about to, I didn't save the receipt, though, which I uh, wish I would have. I've just never had a Christmas tree problem right, like that. right. You don't have I don't know. A, you're, I'm, you're, I'm super annoyed about rece- it because we spent a lot of time on the tree, but whatever. I never have to worry about that. My wife receipt saves every
0: receipt. Every if I go to the I, we if we I used go to, to the, be that way. If I go to the grocery store and buy a gallon of milk, I keep the receipt. I write it in the checkbook registry, you know, debit card or whatever, and I slick it, I stick it in with the with the with the um, with the checkbook because the wife balances the checkbook every month or every week or whenever she does it, and then we have the receipts. I mean, like years back, years. Envelopes of you know receipts. they're like poisonous, right?
1: They are. Yeah, they are. I'm pretty like sure. The ink on
0: them or something. Well, we what? have them. we have them. The nice thing is about the receipts is is that um when it comes to tax time, you can deduct sales tax where we live because there's no income tax. Oh, that must be nice. So you can deduct sales tax. We don't I own a state, New York we don't, we state don't, we don't, every year. We that don't, must be nice. <laughs> <laughs> we don't. We don't. Uh, Washington doesn't have a, a state income tax, so we can. We don't have. To, we don't. We don't deduct a state income tax from our federal returns, we deduct uh, sales tax from our okay. federal returns. So you, this I go, is through, enraging and I, I go through I, I go oh, through hundreds of receipts every every April when I'm filing my taxes, I go through every receipt and add up every penny of sales tax on all those receipts.
1: Um that's enraging because I do I all I have to do <laughs> is I always write a four hundred dollar check to New York State. I give them a million dollars one year and they, I'd still owe them a four hundred dollar check. <laughs> I mean, how else do they fund <laughs> well, whatever. Well, um, I guess that, I guess let's that's move than on. Money back, awkward whatever. transition music. Oh, just a minute. Let me Do get it it. up.
0: Just a minute. This is awkward transition to my awkward transition music. And
1: can yes. we? I don't even know where. To, I think we need to start with the Bible story okay, because I let's love that. let start it.
0: with the Bible story. I love Bible it. stories. Yes. So,
1: so the Freedom from Religion Foundation apparently has exhausted itself going to every public hotel at a university and demanding that Bibles be taken out of the rooms. They have now. Released a letter, um, to fifteen major hotel chains, businesses, private businesses, right. asking, not demanding, politely asking, <laughs> yes. that ever Bible... <laughs> so politely as those as those freedom from religion people tend to be, ever so polite, <laughs> politely asking for the for the hospitality industry to quote be more hospitable to non Christian and non religious clientele by offering Bible free rooms, unquote. I, I, <clears throat> so they're upset about the Gideon Bibles, is that right? Yes, yes. Uh, Gideon Bibles, where do they normally kept those Gideon Bibles? Apparently in a very elusive warehouse somewhere, because I can't get anybody at the Gideon. If you're listening, Gideon. Gideons, okay, international. answer the
0: friggin' phone, Gideon. Come
1: <laughs> Somebody on. Somebody call me back. Oh, I swear, Billy, now, I know that you're not mean
0: like me, but why can't Christian organizations get their friggin' acts together? Look. And I when you and I, I mean I'm sure you put up more than I do, and you just don't say anything about it. But I have run into Christian organization after Christian organization where their press shop or their
1: people who are supposed to respond to stories are awful, right? Horribly managed. Well, then there's the question of uh. why are we why are Christians losing in the public square? Because we um, don't well, have our we act don't even together. Have a press person, um, you know, I, look. I my experience with Christian organizations is that some of them are really great and yeah. some are really terrible and right. I think some the the sad part is there are a lot of and when I say terrible I mean badly organized not I, I'm probably gonna get like hung out of the driver's
0: not bad people just the organization right. the the response efforts all that kind of stuff is is
1: subpar they should be running as the best nonprofit organized nonprofits and right. some do some do but right. but some don't and I think not responding to people is really rude and you know there's just some every once in a while that'll happen and um but there are a lot of really well right. I mean in fact, um, I know some people don't like Joel Osteen, but his his church and organization are very well organized. And And yeah. I've dealt with a lot yeah. that are super, I mean, I would say like they're super on the high end of understanding right. media, as right. most mega churches actually right. are. It's some of the service nonprofits. And in fairness to them, look, maybe they're busy um, serving people and don't have time to deal with the media. But I think they fail to understand the power of the ability to have outreach into media and talk to reporters. Right. And when you're not doing that, you're not really reaching so on a people. totally totally unrelated note, then the Gideon people weren't getting back to you very quickly. I've been trying to reach out to the I've been trying to reach out to the Gideon people for years.
0: So these 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 Bibles then let me just get some clarification here. These Bibles then that the freedom from religion nuts, freedom from religion people, <laughs> are uh, upset about uh, the Bibles. They're located in the hotel rooms. Is that correct? I mean, I'm just trying yeah. To get I mean, they're generally in the hotel rooms. So they're usually in the hotel rooms. Are they usually set up on top of the television? Is that where they're kept? Are they framed on the walls? Is that where they're No, put? no, when you when you're there stacks? Are there, stacks, down, are there stacks of are there stacks of them next to the
1: sink in the bathroom? No, no, it's even better. It's oh, okay. even better when you so, lay so how, down they're, so they're to go to so
0: sleep. super easy to find, and they're just out there offending everybody because they're just there in the open, like
1: pornography. It's like having posters of you know naked models up on the walls. It's just like no, that. exactly, exa- And when you lay down on the hotel bed, regardless right. of what hotel room you're in, you you lay down on your back right. and you try to go to sleep, right. and all of a sudden this contraption come down comes down from the ceiling, and it actually forcefully opens your eyes. And smacks you in the face with the Bible until and holds you it, scream, holds I'll read it. In read front it. of your
0: face? Okay. Yeah, over that's and over weird. again. Now, and see, that's
1: happening at hotels
0: across the country. Now, that's weird because when I've seen the Gideon Bibles in hotel rooms, they, they are usually tucked away in the phone stand drawer I never use. Next to the
1: right until the until if that happens in that case that is the case until a hotel staff member knocks on your door refuses to let you or your family out until you read Genesis to Revelation.
0: (laughs) These people are just—they have nothing better to do.
1: Well, nothing better to do. Listen, I am actually—I'm—they've inspired me because my new movement, my new movement is a, is going to be all about hair dryers because I am offended, extremely offended that there is a contraption in most hotel rooms, a hair dryer, and don't even get me started on irons, but okay. a hair dryer that I do not use. I have no need for it. It's an infringement on my First Amendment rights that it's sitting there. And because it's there, <laughs> and I feel compelled to look at it and touch right. it, but right. I can't use it, I'm going to right. file a lawsuit. Right.
0: So those of us with thinning hair and short haircuts, voila, I got a haircut this weekend. Um, should we be offended by the hair presence of the hairdryer? Obviously, it's making me feel bad because I don't have a whole lot of long, luxurious hair to dry.
1: Absolutely, what it's about, an outrage, and okay, I so, and I think it's
0: unfair. Okay, so what about what about the razors that are left in the room for shaving? What about what about some of my friends who are well, uh, if you have alopecia, they,
1: right, alopecia patients? That's sad. I think it's a discrimination. It and is, I, what if you don't it. have wrinkled shirts? Shower, shower caps.
0: They put shower caps in the rooms and what, soap. What, what if you feelings? have an aversion to showering?
1: Right. Really, this is an outrage. There's somewhere to be offended by what in every corner yeah, of a hotel what, room. What if
0: you're a New York hipster and you go into a hotel room and you go, Oh, hey, there's soap in here. <laughs> it's like, come on. Right.
1: right, No. What if you believe that pillows are demonic?
0: Right. What if you're a liberal who doesn't like Fox News and there's Fox News on, on the cable channels?
1: What if you think TVs are of the devil? There you you really are in trouble. There is no, right. there is nobody that a hotel chain is not offending these days. Right. Nobody. Right. Just... So anyway, they want the Bibles gone. And, look, some hotels, Travel Lodge, not the U.S. Travel Lodge, but the a U.K. UK hotel yeah, chain yeah. by the same name, they already removed Bibles a while back, made them available at the front. And, and here's the thing. Here's the thing, at the front desk. How, wait, but, so but, how do people know that they're available at the front desk? You just go and ask, apparently. But you how have do, to go and ask. But how do they
0: know that they're available there? Well, they don't. I mean, they is generally there don't unless there there's a, note, a new story about it. Is there a note in the room that no. says, by the way, there's no Bible here, but if you want one, come to the front desk.
1: No. But there were also examples of hotels that didn't have them. Um according to reports last year when people went to travel lunch. So, look, this is about it's the same thing that I said when I said, "Hey Right Wing Watch, please do a segment on me." <laughs> last episode a couple days ago. <laughs> this is all about removing God from society. That's yeah, all they want to do. And and look, they were they were nice, I guess, in their letter outside of claiming that the Bible condones killing non-believers and gays and all that. Well, yeah, there's that, they, but we all believe that, right? They were, they were bizarre, but they, they were nice outside of that, and asking, and not demanding as they do when it's a government hotel. But yeah, you know, look, at the end of the day, they want to remove faith and religion from society, yeah. and that is their right to try to do it. But I think the problem is if organizations don't have a voice on the other side of this, yeah. um, then you end up with travelodge decisions, right? Yeah. Decisions where the Bible is removed. Yeah, I
0: just, I mean, listen, if a if a hotel doesn't want to have the Bibles in their thing, great. If they want to have them, great. If they want to put Korans in, okay, I'd rather you didn't, but hey, you know, it, it's different if you put, like, if somebody's putting Korans or Bibles or whatever other religious texts in there. versus The Book if of Mormon, if I've seen many times. Yeah, or if there's, but if they're stashing like Playboys in there, well, I guess Playboy would be okay now because they don't do porn anymore, but if the Hustler magazines are in there, right, they're stacking Hustler, they're stocking them, Then then we got an issue because that's, you know, that's obscenities, that's not Bibles, but come on. I
1: just, well I it's mean people, technically exhausting. that's what they're arguing though because no, well, when idiots. they when they say when they say that the bible is damaging and and that it condones all these things they're saying the same thing you just said in their eyes it is the bible is a version of playboy to them allegedly
0: right well they're they're obviously lying and they're 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 anyway let's you know what you are making a good point let's do a, a semi awkward transition we'll just do a partial awkward partially awkward you were talking about wanting to get rid of religion in the public square, right? And the freedom from religious people, freedom from religion people, also had another fight going on. And it's uh, it's of course it's Christmas time. So what are they going to fight about? Nativities.
1: Yes, so, and so this, this
0: is, this is no. I love this story because well, the yeah, government they're giving me I- the a finger to these guys.
1: I like when somebody stands up, right, and yeah. they're like, uh, "There's some." I'm not doing this. But this town didn't stand up initially, from from what we know. This was. It's in North Carolina. It's the town of Dallas, a very small town. There, I think about four thousand people. They had a nativity that's been up traditionally every year. Last year, the Freedom from Religion Foundation threatened to sue, right. and with that, um, you know, potential lawsuit, they moved the nativity off of public land. Right. But this year, they apparently had a change of heart. Because what they did was they purchased a larger nativity, an even bigger one, and put it back where it was before. But what they did, and the town attorney told them that this was a good idea, is the officials put Rudolph, a snowman, other things around the nativity, right um, accompanying the nativity because then you have secular symbols oh, right? I see. Yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. so secular symbols are apparently right. okay then right. Um, and you know now they're threatening a, allegedly threatening another lawsuit. Yeah. so you know go you for know it. go for it. Go for it's it. Like, right. I mean, I don't know. I people. just, to me, it's like if a nativity offends you, that's just bizarre to me.
0: It is. It's weird. You know, my, my kids, God, they're so stupid. <laughs> that's not nice. So, my kids, we should, we
1: should actually roll one of our interviews, Chris, because we've oh, got crap. some. Well, we'll, I'll uh, tell you,
0: I'll tell the kids maybe my kids' nativity story another time then. Oh, okay. wait. No, let's no, roll no, no, it no. and
1: then let's come back and hear your story.
0: Well, if I, if I did you play the baby it, Jesus? No.
1: <laughs> I think Snoopy did. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Now I want to know. All right. While Chris <laughs>, laughs about the story we know nothing about, but we will hear okay, okay, after have, this interview. No, no, let's,
0: let's, let me tell it real quick. All right. Tell it. Okay. Tell it. So my, my daughter's eight. My son is just turned five, and my the baby, is she's 20 months or something. So... The oldest, something. the oldest one, loves to put together little plays and stuff. So they got on all their pieces, they got a whole set, and they, they told this the story of the nativity. And it's so sweet because they're telling the story of Jesus, and they understand the whole Christmas thing. And, and I'm proud of them for that. And they're they're way into it and So, so in my my daughter bakes all the costumes. And she finds these old uh, fairy wings from dress up time that she had in her room, and she put them on the one year old on the one year old. And then my son was Joseph. Well, my son has a a pirate costume that's got the big long trench coat, you know, on it so it looks like a robe, but it's actually a big trench coat kind of fancy like a captain hook kind of thing. So he's wearing that. And then he goes and he gets his hook and his pirate hat on. He insisted on wearing that so he was Pirate Joseph. And my <laughs> daughter's my daughter found old fabric lying around and wraps it around her head, until, you know, she's being merry. And so they're going and they're telling the story of the nativity and <laughs> they first they start out with the angel bringing a message <laughs> to Mary and it's the one-year-old and my eight-year-old has made this sign that's a vinyl it's, it's uh eight inches wide and four inches tall and she's written on it uh do not be afraid Mary or something like that and then tapes it to my to the one-year-old and this says the one-year-old stand next to her <laughs> <laughs> and she does the same thing with Joseph and then um She they she pulled in all these different toys and props to be the different the the shepherds. I gotta find some I I have some pictures somewhere I gotta send you. (laughs) These random things. But every time the the one-year-old is supposed to deliver a message as a message-a message as angel, they just taped a new message to her. (laughs) So they go through this whole roll of tape sticking messages to my daughter. And Colton the boys just Pirate Joseph, wandering around.
1: <laughs> you must be <laughs> proud.
0: <God. laughs> Pick me up sometimes. Anyway, I'm sorry. Okay. <clears throat> Got that out of my system. So what, um, what's this interview you're, we're doing again?
1: Oh, you know what we should do? I love doing impromptu things you know okay, nothing about. Yes, all right. Let's do it. We should invite people, <laughs> listeners, okay, all oh, of you, Yes. to submit yes. their most insane <laughs> Christmas stories to us. Oh, yeah. Love and we will him. feature some of them on the show telling right.
0: them that works for me. Let's do it.
1: Okay. Anyway, uh, let's get into our interview. Oh, and we remember, have... now,
0: remember, also, you're talking about listeners. We will be contacting Pedro about his new album, but that's set for the Friday show, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. So yes. We are not. We are making we good on that. We, are we not have not neglected Pedro. Pedro. This is just a bonus show that we just came up with. So it's nothing against Pedro. Sorry. I feel
1: like I need to yawn. <sighs> <sighs> okay. That was right. a good break. All right. Bottom line, great interview we have for you. All about the sexual revolution. I That made me so tired, that yawn. I'm like, anyway, let me focus here. Let me focus. We got, we've got Sue Ellen Browder. Sue Ellen Browder, who's an author, used to write for Cosmo. One of the uh, three for, name people. For,
0: what? One of those three named people.
1: Yes, Sue oh, Ellen Browder. The so she wrote for Cosmo for years and then later on became a Catholic, uh, converted, and, and wrote this book that she put out in October called Subverted, How I Helped the Sexual Revolution Hijack the Women's Movement. And it's really all about how she believes things went very wrong with the women's movement and how the sexual revolution was responsible for that. And so I will not ruin the interview. We're going to roll it right now. Right
0: now? Right now. Okay, here we go. And
1: It's Billy Hollowell here for The Church Boys, and I have author Sue Ellen Browder on the line today. How are you?
2: I'm great.
1: How are you? I am doing well. I appreciate you taking the time. You have a book out, a new book out called Subverted and your book deals with a number I think of really interesting uh, subjects considering everything we've been talking about in society lately surrounding planned parenthood and yeah, you know, the ongoing debates about the women's rights movement and the sexual revolution and all of the things that, you know, a lot of people now are sort of saying, well, feminism maybe doesn't need to look the way that it looked initially. Uh maybe maybe it can be whatever a woman wants their life to be, right? That can maybe be what feminism is and not just this one sort of cookie cutter um approach. And you I mean for, have first hand not only knowledge but experience as a longtime writer for for Cosmo. How long did you write for Cosmo?
2: About well, it was about two decades. My articles appeared over 24 years, but I had actually uh, quit for a number of years before the last one appeared, <laughs> if that makes any sense. Yes, they yeah. had it in the can. They had it in the can, but they didn't run it for a while. <laughs>
1: how long... So total hmm? Now, how long, so when was, when was the last story uh, published with them for you?
2: It was in the early 90s, and I started there in the early 1970s.
1: So, and, so it
2: was for about two decades,
1: uh-huh. That's a long I mean, that's a long time. And and obviously I'm sure you're familiar with Victoria Hearst and, and some of the battles that have been going on with Cosmo now, just trying to get them to tone down uh some of the content. But the content was always kind of racy, right?
2: The content was racy but not like it is today. I mean, when Helen Gurley Brown was there, when I was there, Helen had a soft touch. We we told a lot, I told a lot of lies in that magazine in the early days. The feminist um, movement, the, the sexual revolution at that time, as far as I could tell, had not gone that far. And, and now, you know, we've got so many women living with their boyfriends, we've got women hopping in bed with dozens of men, <laughs> and in those days, it was uh, much more, se- sexual. sex was much more peaceful, and uh, we were telling stories to women about We were making up fantasies of women that were jumping into bed, but they weren't doing it as much as they are today. Uh, Fiction has become reality.
1: And when you talk about that, you know, sort of making up stories, that was something that the the, the, the magazine sort of do that as a practice?
2: I, well, there were a lot of people that were certainly doing that. Uh, Helen Gurley Brown had drawn up a uh, writer's guideline, and in that she actually suggested what we should do uh, to uh, tell if we, if we were going to make up stories about civilians. Uh, as I say, when I, was, when I was working at, when I went to a school at the University of Missouri School of Journalism, I was trained as, a, as, a, as a, well as a reporter. And when I went there, I studied Cosmo for a magazine article writing class that we had, and we were supposed to analyze a magazine and see what it would what it would take to sell an article to this magazine. And I noticed that Cosmo's anecdotes, the little stories in the magazine, were so pat they were just so perfect it was uh, they appeared to be made up and when i got on staff at Cosmo, i realized that was the case people were making up these stories and uh, people were, I had, I'll tell you one, for example, a woman that I made up, a woman goes off to Paris, she meets a man at a deli, he's trying to, to order a Jewish deli on the Champs-Élysées. By the way, there is a Jewish deli on the Champs-Élysées, or there was at that time. That was the true part. <laughs> he was trying to order a pastrami sandwich. She rescued him with her flawless French, and then they they... Run off that night, fall into bed in the hotel on the left blank, bank, and the next day she knew she was in love. okay The total fantasy there was no Mia, there was no guy. nothing was all made up, but it, but it was a it's a sexual fantasy. and uh, women began to the reason I wrote this book looking back on it after I became a Catholic, I began to look at all the things that I had done and I thought, This is this has wrecked the culture. You were participating in this horrible um culture of death really i mean it was it was it was terrible and, and so friends were telling me you know and i kept telling people well you know in the beginning the sexual revolution and the women's movement were two radically different movements when i worked at cosmo in the early 70s betty friedan who was the mother of the women's movement called cosmo quite obscene and quite horrible so i knew that they had originally been separated but um Along the way, they got joined together behind the scenes by a number of power players, and we can talk about that later. And, but as a result, um, I began to promote the sexual revolution as, it was,
1: as if it was the women's movement. And, you know, would you say, just looking back at this, would you say that you were very aware at the time of the fact that you were part of this movement, that you were helping facilitate, that you were helping progress it, or was it just a job that you enjoyed doing? I mean, how how much of an activist were you at the time?
2: I was doing, I was writing magazine articles to try to make a living to support my family. I knew I was lying. I knew I was uh, lying in, in print, but I didn't realize what the result of all this would be. I also did not know that behind the scenes, the sexual revolution and the women's movement had been joined together. Let me explain. People say, well, how did you play a role in this? People need to understand how propaganda works. Propaganda is not not total lies. Propaganda is half-truth, selected truth, and truth out of context. There was a, a propagandist who wrote a book called Propaganda in the nineteen twenties, Edward Bernays, and he said, "There's this is how you sell pianos. It's very subtle, you know, to sell pianos to the middle Middle America. in at that time, you didn't sell pianos directly. You sold the the music room." So you'd have in House Beautiful and Architectural Digest and all of these magazines, you'd have a music room. If you sold America, middle Americans on the idea that, oh, wouldn't that be high-style and wonderful, then the idea of having a piano would just naturally occur to them. Hmm. The same is true, how do you sell travel, uh, beautiful clothes, expensive makeup, uh, contraception, abortion all of these things you do it by selling the cosmo lifestyle if a young woman buys into that cosmo lifestyle as being oh that's the way I want to live then all of those other things follow Um, and that's how I was part of this I sold the cosmo lifestyle even though I was not living it That, that, that was the hypocrisy of it all my, I had a beautiful marriage. Uh, I had, was home um, baking chocolate chip cookies and baking homemade breads and raising children and selling this abhorrent lifestyle to young women. And that was the, that was the horror of it all.
1: What, did you ever have second thoughts while you were doing it? Um, or was it really something that when you became a Catholic after, that was when you sort of looked back and said, oh my gosh, what did I do here?
2: Well, both. What happened was it wasn't second thoughts so much as it just aided my conscience on an unconscious level. I had a lot of anxiety, uh, depression, um, all of the things. You know, when you start living a lie, uh, it it will affect you internally whether you know it's happening or not. And then, of course, Billy, along the way, because I bought into this... I bought in some, to some of the lies I was telling. I did make the worst decision of my life, and I did have an abortion.
3: Wow.
2: So, 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 you know, these things turn on you. You want to, uh, you want to be a smarty-pants and, and, and deceive people? Well, better watch out, because there's a chapter in there where the deceiver becomes the deceived. If you're not thinking clearly and you're not listening to the truth of life, and you're not listening to the truth of the church, which is where I found the ultimate truth, uh, you will, you will betray your own humanity.
1: And I did. And so now you, were you freelance with them? Were you part, how many articles would you write in a month, let's say, for Cosmo? I,
2: oh, I was, I was freelance, so I didn't write, uh, article every month even, um, I, first, I went on staff. Okay, when I was on staff, and I got a job there as as an assistant to the, to the articles editor. So I was only there; it was pr- it was less than a year that I was actually on staff in New York. But then I got assignments from them that I got over the next twenty four years, and I probably only wrote two or three magazine articles a year for them. And some and during at the end, it wasn't even that. So I would say total, maybe I wrote about thirty. And I was also writing for Connecticut Magazine, I wrote for Travel and Leisure, I wrote for Yankee Magazine, I was I wrote for a lot of different places, Woman's Day, and eventually, I left Cosmo, I was writing a lot for Reader's Digest, and places like that. So slowly, you could see that God was drawing me away from that.
3: Now,
1: that. <clears throat> when you look at the women's movement, and you look at the sexual revolution, how did that happen? That, that, How that did it, ladder,
2: You joined together? Yeah, that
1: yeah, the, the, the latter co opted essentially the former.
2: Yes. Well, as I say, Betty Friedan called Cosmo quite obscene and quite horrible. Betty Friedan had started the women's movement in 1963. She kind of launched it with her book, The Feminine Mystique. And then she went on to become president of the National Organization for Women. She knew a man in New York City. They were both Jewish atheists with leftist leanings, and they were both magazine writers. And his name was Larry Lader which I don't know if you ever heard that name. It's yes. A lot of people haven't. Larry Later was the co-founder of the National Abortion Rights Action League. And he, with Bernard Nathanson, whom you may have heard of, he was a, an abortionist who claimed responsibility he, as as head of an abortion clinic for 70,000 abortions before he saw a uh, baby on a fetal monster became pro life, and later in his life, actually converted from Judaism to Catholicism. Oh wow! So anyway, so that, that's the story. So so Bernie, Dr. Bernard Nathanson, and Larry later started this National Abortion Rights Action League, which is now called Naral Pro Choice America. In the beginning, it was called the National Association to Repeal Abortion Laws because there were a lot of abortion laws at that time, anti-abortion laws, actually. Um, So anyway, Larry convinced Betty Friedan that she needed to insert abortion into the women's movement because women needed abortion to be free. Now, how would that... Since Betty didn't didn't even include abortion in The Feminine Mystique, and years later said she was never ideologically for abortion, she said motherhood is a value to me, and even today abortion is not. She said that in the year 2000. She said, for me the matter of choice has never been primarily the choice of abortion, but that you can choose to be a mother. That is as important as any right written into the Constitution. So how did this woman insert abortion into the women's movement? Well, she did it because, Betty, because she probably, now I'm guessing here on how he must have convinced her, but she had been fired for being pregnant, as I was. You, in those days, you could be fired for being pregnant. In fact, it was business as usual. So when you think about it, if a woman is going to be fired for being pregnant, but she also wants to get out into the workforce and wants equal pay for equal work, there is kind of a of a sense there well if 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 a woman can control her reproductive rights, their rights in in quotes, uh then then she can get then she can make a living in wage. I mean, that was that was I think the thinking behind it at that time. Uh, but it was totally wrong-headed. And as a result, the day after, abortion was inserted into the women's movement one night, November 18, 1967, in the Chinese room of the Mayflower Hotel in Washington, D.C., at the second annual NOW conference. There were only about 100 people in that room that night. The abortion debate created a huge uproar. Only 57 people that night, voted to insert abortion in the women's movement. And one third of these ardent feminists walked out of that meeting and later resigned from now over the abortion vote. It was that ferociously fought. 57 people, and today, and but see, today, look what we've got. I mean, we're still fighting over that today. That was in 1967. 50 years ago and it hasn't been reported. that's uh, it took me four years to uh, research this book and to find out all of this stuff. I, it took me a long time to find out even what the day was on that uh,
1: on that uh, what, <clears throat> What's interesting is that she seems to have really, as you were saying, um, as of 2000, sort of saying, uh, before she passed away, this, this is, why are we focusing so much on abortion? This is not what we uh-huh. should be doing. And even made comments, as far as I could tell, about Catholics saying we should join forces with Catholics and those who have reverence for life. Um, why I, did,
2: no, I didn't hear her say that. That's interesting.
1: No, I'm pretty know sure. I'm pretty sure she said um, something along those lines of, you know, we should be joining forces with, with them as well. Um, what... I guess, you know, why do you think that yeah, you know, because it's one thing to propose certain things like adding abortion, and why do you think that took off in the movement? What what do you think made that happen that it was just so easy to bring the sexual revolution in?
2: Well, it was it was it was something that was being pushed in a lot of areas at that time and it was after After the women's movement decided to uh, insert abortion in in that Bill of Rights, and you have to remember, we're talking 57 people here, the uh, National Organization for Women wasn't that big when they did this. In fact, they thought of themselves as a very small organization that probably would have no impact They even, somebody even said that in the meeting that night. But after the women's movement inserted abortion, then all of these abortion activists that were behind the scenes began to come aboard and say, "Oh, okay, we can go for full repeal of abortion laws." The National Abortion, um, the National Association to Repeal Abortion Laws, did not actually come into being until 1978. After. The women's movement accepted abortion into its into its package. So, see, there were there were a lot. The ACLU did not support abortion until after the women's movement. They, this emboldened the abortion movement to move forward. Planned Parenthood did not advocate abortion until after the women. Margaret Sanger was against abortion. She called it barbaric. Margaret Sanger was the founder of, of Planned
1: Parenthood. Um, yeah, it's just it's fascinating how all of, and, and really the political force behind a lot of these groups now as well, is very, very interesting. Um, tell me a little bit about your pivot point, the moment you decided to become a Catholic, and what, what you believed before that.
2: Well, there was—I would say—it was a very long process. God was calling to me all all through all of this. There were there were moments when I would wake up, and uh, uh, one of the most horrible ones was, was during—I had an abortion in uh, shortly after Roe v. Wade um, in 1974. So I would never have had an abortion. Because I was happily married, I had two children. I would never, but I was, but I was afraid that I would would not be able to work, and we needed the income. It was it was born of fear. There's no doubt about it. And I didn't trust in God. But when I had that abortion, the doctor was so angry. He didn't want to be doing these abortions. It was brand new, and he didn't let the anesthetic set. It was very very painful. And one time during the. Uh, during the abortion, he said, "I usually deliver them alive."
1: Oh my gosh! What, he told you that?
2: He said that. Yeah, yeah. Wow! Yeah.
1: Wow! It was
2: so so so. It was a it was a it was a time that even doctors who were doing this didn't want to be doing it. But you see, that was I as I say in my book, when that doctor spoke that as as horrible as it was, it was also the truth, and that was Christ telling me that still, the truth was coming out. Even in these worst of moments, uh, God was calling to me saying, this is wrong. You're not doing it right. You're not doing it right. Here, come to me. I love you. And so it was a long, long, slow process. But my beloved husband, Walter, We were married for 40 years. He's gone now, but uh, he wanted to become a Catholic, and I also had a Catholic friend who prayed for me for seven years that I'd become a Catholic, but I didn't know it, (laughs) and she's the one that introduced me to the Catholic Bible. And so it, there, there were lots of calls along the way. But the final, ultimate, what was the final thing that twisted me over the edge, was when we got the. We went to a Catholic church. I thought it was quite beautiful. We were had already. We'd been Episcopalians. We'd gone back to church. I was, I was, I was in Christ's pocket, <laughs> and I saw the. When we went and talked to the priest, and he told us to get the Catechism, and I started reading that Catechism. And I couldn't believe it. This wasn't the patriarchal old Catholic Church I'd heard of. This was about beauty and truth and love and forgiveness. And I would, and it, it's got all those because you know, I was a Protestant. I was certainly a Bible Catholic or a Bible Christian by this point. And I'd read the Catechism and I'd say, "Well, where does it say that in the Bible?" And then at the bottom they'd have footnotes, and I'd go look it up, and then they're like, "Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> all right. It does say that." Well, where does it say that in the Bible? And I go look it up, and I'm like, oh, all right, I see what they're saying. (laughs) And so it was that, it was the catechism that that made me fall in love with the church. But then I had a night uh, after confession. You had to go to confession before you were received into the church. And we were received into the church on Easter Vigil 2003. And you had to go to confession before you were. Received that, and we went that Monday, and uh, I came home that night, and I was just an absolute wreck. Instead of Walter, my beloved husband, was was all beat. You know, he's been washed clean. I I don't. I was just I was just in torment, and I woke up in the middle of the night. I couldn't go back to sleep. It was four o'clock in the morning. I woke up in just in tears. When I had been a little girl in Iowa, before all this started. I had promised God that I knew right for wrong and I will never do anything wrong. And that night I realized I'd done everything wrong. And then I saw him on the cross and I saw that he died for me. And I would have to say that was the moment that Christ burst into my life.
3: Wow. Wow. Yeah, I
2: know. It was something. It was something. And I thought I'd done it wrong. I thought I'd done, I was so convinced that being a Christian was supposed to make me feel good about myself, <laughs> that, that I thought I'd, uh, I'd done the confession wrong. And I, and for three days, I was in torment after that. And Walter wanted to go out and look at the wildflowers on Thursday. Now you have to remember, I just look back on this. This was during Holy Week. And I didn't realize that, that until just recently. This was Holy Week. And Walter wanted to go look at the wildflowers on Thursday, and we went out and we're looking at wildflowers. I don't know why we should have been in church. I think, <laughs> but but we weren't. And uh, I said to him, I said, "How can you look at wildflowers when Christ died for your sin?" <laughs> I was was terrible. (laughs) And and then I went back, and I looked in the catechism again. I thought, where did I go wrong? Where did I do this wrong? I thought I, and I told Walter, I said, you can become a Catholic, but I said, I can't. I said, God doesn't want me. It was just the most horrible time. I really did go to hell for three days. It felt like it. And then uh, I went back and looked at the catechism, and I found the pump. The part about the conversion of heart, and I realized that that was—I was okay. God was holding me in his, his arms. This was, you know, it was okay to feel bad about your sins. <laughs> so it was—it was okay to feel bad about yourself, <laughs> as long as you felt good about
3: God.
1: <laughs> well, listen. So,
3: we the
1: this has been this has been great, and I think you know your book is fascinating. We're going to make sure we link out give people a chance to check it out and read it. Is there anything else, any final words that you'd want to share?
2: I'm going to be speaking at the March for Life in January.
1: I saw uh, that. That's, that's interesting. Yeah,
2: they've, they've invited me to do that, and I'm going to be speaking on why the, the pro-life women's movement is the authentic women's movement.
1: Well, listen, I really appreciate your time, and I thank you so much.
2: Okay, well, thank you. I'm fine, glad we finally got together.
1: Same here. Have yep. a Have a good one. Okay,
2: you too. Bye-bye.
3: church And now, back to the church boys. They're a real pain in my ass.
0: <laughs> so during the break, I was <laughs> sending Billy some of these pictures <laughs> that I took With <laughs> <from> the <this, laughs> nativity. <laughs> and I was wrong.
1: Snoopy wasn't the baby Jesus that would have been great Snoopy was the innkeeper Snoopy was the innkeeper <laughs> <laughs> Baby Jesus I'm pretty sure was a female baby. Yeah,
0: it's purple so yeah that's a female baby. So this is how original my daughter is the the oldest one that's one of her babies from when she was little and it was baby so there she had she had two stuff two fake babies. One of them was the baby well, that our church in Virginia actually used for our living nativity. And um, the 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 directors of the church, get, you know, gave it to her because she was just little then, as maybe two years old, baby. Anyway, um, so she had. Did she, you play a tree? And then no, I played, like, What was your no, role? I in played the I played the main uh, king. It was a big spectacle that we put on. So you just, were an extra, basically. There, no, there was a big. There's a big. Um, it was a huge thing outside, and this huge it took up a whole city block for for the most part. I mean, it was spaced out and everything and they still do it to this day the worship center down in virginia and um i'll have to send you a picture of it but it's uh it's the the main center point is the kings worshiping jesus wh- who's being held by mary and joseph that's like the center uh, center figure that's
1: that's really sounds interesting but you were an extra so let's not overbuild the role
0: i was the main king up there raising my hands because yeah the kings are have,
1: extras we didn't have to do a whole lot of walking around it was there there's light.
0: there's not like there's loud music playing and then there was some movement that would happen like among the townspeople over on this section and shepherds over here. So we had live animals and spotlights and everything. I mean, it
1: was a big deal. Were you upset that you weren't cast in a main role? No. I didn't want to be in
0: it, period. I mean, it wasn't not wanting to be in it. I, was, I wasn't anti being in it, but I was not seeking to be in it. Well, clearly you were an extra. Right. So, anyway... Z- Snoopy's the innkeeper in this silly little. Oh wait, I might oh, have the the my television. So premiere the babies. coming. They have two oh. babies. They had two babies. She had two babies. Anyway, this is I, back to my point about my daughter. She had the uh, a large baby the, and then another baby that was smaller and they looked similar. And she named the big one Sophia and she named the little one Little Sophia. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, Sophia was the only name she could come up. with I love it. It's already <laughs> television debut
1: for you. What's this? I now? can't talk about it. I just realized. Oh, Nancy Grace again. <laughs> Wait, wait, we need to find the audio from that appearance because it was so painful. It was like, hi, Nancy, how are you? Shut up and tell me. Whoa, whoa. And I'd be like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to answer your question now. Why aren't you answering me fast enough? And then it ended. I mean, that was the whole interview. It was awful. <laughs> but Nancy, I'll come back anytime. Just yes. ask. Yeah. Um, yes. It I forgot was. about that.
0: Let's see if I can see it here. Was it the pot thing or was it the, uh, the ghosts? Not the ghost, the demonic thing, the, the religious thing. It was thing. the demonic thing. Yeah, that's right that's right, that's right. that's right. that's right, All right. What are we going to talk about? Oh, we, we have a, another interview. Oh, we, but yes. And then, we, we'll, you know what? We have big news for a friend of the show. Oh, the, yeah, but let's, do, but let's do that at the end. Let's just, we'll, we'll let's do, do the interview. Let's roll right. out. Let's talk about our interview, and see, then, we'll do, okay, then we'll do tell, that. Tell the people about the interview. We're gonna. And I know we just did an interview, but we're going to roll another one. We are out because to we love today. you Because we love you, and we're giving you bonus content, and you're getting two, you're getting, not only are we giving you a bonus episode where you can hear our melodious voices, we are giving you two, count them, two
1: interviews. So, what's the second this interview? This interview sounds like an infomercial when I'm going to describe it to you, <laughs> but it's not. Um, I mean, it's, it's interesting. You know those subscription services, like the boxes, you can get all different ones, like, like flying or gardening or whatever you're oh, interested oh, like in. Jelly of the month. Right. Okay. You get a box and whatever garbage you want is in it. So there is a, a there's a, they're gonna, a one really, called, they're gonna really appreciate you. <laughs> I didn't get a dollar meant for the other ones, it, for
0: the jam. Everything else. That. The jellies of the month is a garbage. You know?
1: Right. Yes, I got that. This, this one's, one's actually nice. pretty cool. If you're a person of faith, um it's called Faith Box, and it's basically a subscription service where you pay in and you can give it as a gift to somebody else. I think you pay a certain amount a month, like eighteen dollars, whatever, you get a box every month that's filled with different stuff. Like there was some cool stuff. I just got one to try out. I right. got like certificates that I could turn in to basically donate to charity. It was like fifty dollars or twenty five dollars worth of charity. Um, a Christmas tree ornament that was really nice. I got a, a devotional, which is cool. Like so you get a devotional every month. Can you
0: explain? Can you explain the gift certificate thing? Yeah, I haven't done it yet, so I don't really. 20, I should have even 20, brought it
1: up because I'm you, slightly. You, but okay. basically, it's a twenty five dollar card that you can cash in for money to donate to charity. It's not money you get back. You can give it back. And then there's a second card to give to somebody else to encourage them to donate during the Christmas season to charity. It's it's kind of a cool idea, and I don't know what arrangement they have and how they work that out, but that was part of what was in uh hmm. the latest the latest box. Um anyway, so it, it's cool and you get it every month. You get sort of a book that you can work through, a devotional book you can journal in, um, and a variety of other things in the box every single month. And so I interviewed Willie Morris, the guy who came up with this. He's the guy behind it. He runs Faith Box and you know, he had a really cool personal story, and I'm not gonna spoil it too much, but about sort of being an atheist and moving he grew up Catholic, became sort of an atheist, and then moved back into Christianity later on, and his faith is sort of a huge part of hmm. why he's doing this, why he's All a right. part of it. So cool. Roll it. All right. It's Billy Hollowell here with the Church Boys, and I have a very interesting guest on the line. I have Willie on the line. How you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. So we're on a first-name basis here, obviously. I'm, I'm calling you Willie, <laughs> and you, you, you're you the CEO of Faith Box. which let me just, before we get into anything else, because I'm, I'm really excited to talk about your story and, and what you're doing um, in, in your work and, and sort of ministry and all these other elements. But tell me, what is Faithbox? Yeah, so Faithbox is a monthly
4: subscription service. Uh, we send a box to all of our members every month. Um, and it's filled with uh, products from companies that have a uh, companies that do good, companies that have a net positive impact on the world, um, as well as our devotional that we self-publish every month that has short form uh, Christian content for each day of the month
1: um, to kind of help keep your faith relevant um, and uh, strong throughout the month. So, okay, so this is something that you know you can give it as a gift to somebody. You can give it get it for yourself if you want it. Um, how many of these units are you guys sending out now? Oh, man. So we just sent out this past month, we sent
4: out about 7,000 boxes. Wow. Um, to our subscribers, yeah. And over the holidays, we, uh, we're we hoping to send more out. We're trying to, uh, for every box
3: that we ship, we, we donate three meals to um, Hungry Kids through a partnership that we have with
4: uh, a charity called Rice Bowls. Um, and so we're trying to get to uh, 100,000 meals donated this year. Um, and we're pretty close. I think we need to probably ship about 5,000 more boxes uh, from now until, uh, you know, end of the year, and we'll, we'll hit that, which is really exciting for me.
1: Well, yeah, no, I mean, the thing to me that is so interesting about this is you have a lot of these services that are popping up for different things, shaving clubs and everything else where you can buy in <laughs> and get, you know, a package monthly um, to your house. And I think, you know, look, when it comes to faith, I think a lot of Christians in, the, in this country, a lot of people feel like, there's not a lot of representation in the mainstream. It's really hard to, for some people unless they're living in a, in a community or, or they have a setup where they can be at church a lot or around Christians a lot. It's hard to sort of keep that up and maintain it. And so it's interesting to have something delivered to your house that gives you, as you were just saying, A, devotion and, and the ability to sort of keep up with your faith, and then B, you're buying into sort of products and elements that you know uh, are supportive of that worldview. I think that's a really interesting thing so take me through take me through a little bit of how how the project came about how you um crafted this and what was the what was the impetus i guess of it
4: yeah definitely so i think uh, for me my background is in product and design so um i love making stuff <laughs> and so i've been working at amazon previously and um i was kind of ready to get back on yeah, start another uh, company or do something entrepreneurial again, I want to do something more meaningful. Uh, I, I happened to uh, run into a guy here, Van in New York, who um, was looking to incubate another company and been an investor in Birchbox and box, which are other box subscription models. Um, so we started talking, and I love the idea of, like, of creating a, some type of box, subscription that was meaningful that was targeted towards Christians because we could create a community and then we could every month we could leverage that community to really make a huge impact um, and we could also kind of have this conversation around being a conscious consumer that I feel like um, you know as Christians we we don't really have as much as we should um, and that was kind of kind of how it got started and it's it's evolved so much since then um, you know just trying to listen to our customers and how we can serve them and um we realized very quickly that like, hey, we should, you know, help people keep people safe like relevant throughout the month and uh provide some really nice like short form reflections. Uh something that I was very like kind of near and dear to me as well. Um and like random acts of kindness that people could kind of challenge themselves with throughout the month. Uh, and so I, I think um, last January is when we started, so January was the first box we shipped and I think um probably around July is when we felt we really had the product to a place where we were proud of it. Um, we started self-publishing our devotionals um, and we kind of had a good framework for like a kind of a Christian purchasing framework uh, for like, how we chose companies and how we vetted them to make sure they were uh, kind of meeting the, the bar that we set for them.
1: Okay, so now I have to ask you because I obviously i am fascinated by the product. I think it's really interesting. I think a lot of people will hear about it and want it um especially in, in our audience. So your personal story, and correct me if I'm wrong, you grew up Catholic and became an atheist in college. Is that correct? Yep. Yep. What let me ask you, what was it that initially that led you away from your faith? What was it that made you become an atheist?
4: Yeah, so I think for me, um, you know, I I would say I grew up Catholic, I went to Catholic school. Um I think I've always just been a very curious person, and I've always asked a lot of questions, but
3: I didn't necessarily get the answers that I was looking for um, when I was younger. And I think when I moved down to
4: Auburn and I, I went to college down there, I experienced one of very different types of Christianity and saw a lot of things that were like more like heavy-handed or just things that I, I didn't necessarily kind of agree with or understand maybe at that point. Um, and I think, you know... Being, like, a college kid, I wasn't the most mature kid in the world, and I, you know, I didn't go deep on any of these questions or, you know, think about, like, the fact that there's a spectrum of things, not just black and white, um, and so instead of kind of exploring that and really going deep in it, I kind of just, like, slowly phased out going to church and phased God out of my life, um, as far as, as that sounds. Um and then, you know, before I knew it, I was, like, you know, I was just a person without any really faith and without um, Christ in my life. Um, but, yeah, it was, uh, it was kind of weird. You know, even now when I talk about it, it's always kind of kind of strange to talk about it because it's, it
1: seems like a, another life. Uh, yeah, like how did that happen? You know, and you look back. It's funny you said that because I was thinking about some things earlier and I'm like, wow, I can't believe. You look back and you're like, how did I ever think that or do that? You know, because you're so removed <laughs> from it, right? Like how did that... How was that me then? Um, <clears throat> so let me ask you. I guess the next natural question is, what brought you back to faith?
4: Yeah, definitely. So as as much as like when I left, it, you know, there wasn't like a, a single event. I think when I came back, um, kind of somewhere, there definitely was a point though. Um, I was in Florida. I was running a design studio down there, um, and I was doing a lot of. One of the, our clients was a uh, private nonprofit who is getting into disaster areas before, like, FEMA or uh, the Red Cross or whatever could initialize and, and get there. And so I was doing a lot of the back-end stuff, like, the website, social, and design, design stuff for them, but it was a super small team. So um, I was really involved in it, and I think it was maybe, like, 2011-ish when the Joplin hurricane hit, and there was, like, a series of, like, natural disasters that hit us that were just devastating and, um, then you got mobilizing getting on the ground there really, really quick, and I remember John, who, who was on the foundation, uh, walking into our office one day, it was like this giant, this, uh, big photo studio warehouse with this clear bag full of, like, thank you cards and just kind of dropping at my feet being like, you should probably read these, and, uh, you should probably do it when you're alone, and I was like, oh, whatever, so I, I took him home, and, uh, just thinking like, whatever, like, I'm not the most emotional guy in the world. Like, I'll just read these, see what, see what it's about. And then I started going through them, and it was just, it was so impactful. Like, one of those times in my life, I just, I'll never forget sitting on my couch
3: and reading these and just, like, having my eyes filled up with, like, tears, like, reading
4: that these people who literally lost everything, still, you know, being so thankful and so gracious and, you know, a lot of them, you know, were thanking God in, in their letters as well. You know, thank God, you know, and um, uh, He brought you guys to us, and you know, even the twenty dollars or whatever they were they were helping out with, what um, like the an impact it made to these people. I mean, it just really got to me, uh, and it, it kind of made me take a step back in my own life and feel like, like, what am I, <laughs> what am I doing? Like, I turned my back on my faith and yet these people who have nothing have so much of it. Um, and I, it really started me down that journey of like self discovery again and, um, question a lot of things in my life.
1: How would you describe your faith today?
4: Uh, my faith today is it's definitely the strongest it's ever been. Um, it's funny. Like, yeah, I thought I, I was really comfortable with my faith before I started box and I felt, um, uh, You know, like, I was on the right path, and,
3: like, I felt like Christ was present in my life. And then I started a faith box. I didn't realize what an
4: impact and effect it would have on me personally. Um, but it's been, it's been so intense. Like, I just feel like, um, I I call them, like, God moments when I just, I'm just, like, I step back. I'm like, this is, it's too much of a coincidence. It's like, you know, he just, like, put someone in my life or something just, like, kind of happened that, um, It was just like the timing was perfect, and everything was perfect around it. Um, And it's been it's been great. I uh, it's it's been a challenge um, trying to sometimes run a company that's Christian based and faith based, um, and kind of because everything kind of flows into one, like your personal life and your faith and your work. (laughs) Uh, So I've been trying to like that. That's been the biggest challenge for me. uh, Trying to figure out. You know how that,
1: what that means for me, and how it plays out in my life. But um, yeah, it's been, I've been really fortunate uh, over the past year and a half. Yeah, no, I mean, it sounds, it sounds amazing, and it sounds. I'm sure there, are, there are always challenges with a startup, and you know, I think what you're doing is interesting, and it's, it's fascinating to me when you combine business with faith, right? Because that is sort of the yeah. one of the bigger challenges sometimes too, and finding that balance. But there's a lot of businesses that do it very well. Um, you know, when you, when you look back now at just the atheism and, you know, the struggle with belief and all that and where you are now, are you ever just stunned that you ended up working where you are in this (laughs) faith-based business? How do you process that? Yeah, no, I am.
4: And I think, um, it was probably like two or three months into Box when someone reached out to me and, uh. It was one person, you know, very quickly after a few other people, but they kind of came to me. I had written a a small post on that story, and um, people started kind of reaching out to me and saying, like, hey, like, that was me, or that that is me. I'm in that that position. And um, you being like opening up and being vulnerable and coming out about, you know, being atheist and, you know, not, you know, being the perfect,
3: you know, Christian your whole life um, has, you know, helped me or make me rethink things. And I think that,
4: that part of me was like, oh, I get it now. Like, I didn't get it done. I didn't get it right away, but I can get it now. Um, you know, I think that journey that I went through has, you know, allowed me to uh, relate a lot to, to certain people who kind of been in the same situation and um, create a much more like intimate connection and, and kind of, there for them and you know be able to share stories about about that um uh, about this you know journey that you know we kind of all go through and uh it's made me realize that a lot of people you know that i talk to like we've all gone through our struggles whether it's you know becoming you know atheists or just something smaller but um
1: yeah it's been it's been this weird blessing and in, in disguise i think yeah no i think it's uh I think it's definitely interesting, and, and it's always fascinating to, to be able to think sometimes, okay, well, maybe the only reason, I mean, I'll have times where I'm like, well, maybe the only reason that I'm even in this position or this place right now is because of this one conversation that I'm having, right? Like, maybe maybe there's a purpose that, you know, sometimes there's there's smaller purposes to the bigger things that we have going on in our in our lives, and, you know, the people you're encouraging, that could be one of those big purposes, you know, or, or even a smaller purpose is to the reason that you're Doing what you're doing, and so I think it's I think it's fascinating. Um, all right, well, great. Where can people go if they are interested in in getting FaithBox?
4: Yeah, definitely. So it's the, the website's really simple. It's just faithbox.com, um, and kind of as I mentioned too, we are in the middle of really trying to push get to um, the huge impact this year. So <laughs> we're also kind of doing our own like anti-Black Friday thing because we think people should be spending Friday morning with their family about Thanksgiving. So. Uh, we have a, a little promo going on Family Friday, and it'll take uh, 15 or 20 percent off uh, all orders uh, for the next like week or two. So
1: um, that's also going. So if anyone's interested, um, definitely take advantage of that and uh, let's let's do some impactful stuff this year. I love it. All right, great. I appreciate you taking the time. No problem. Dear. Thanks for having me. Thanks a lot.
3: Back to the.
0: Boys. So we we told you before that last interview, we've got some big uh, big news happening for a friend of the show. In fact, he was on uh, how just a few weeks ago, right? Yeah, it was early November. So he was on a few weeks ago, and um, anyway, big news for our friend Jason Crab. Tell them the news, Billy.
1: So Jason Crab has <laughs> what? He's I, pregnant. You know, you... What? I'm not even going to speak anymore. Okay. Is that okay as in you're happy I'm not speaking anymore? Or is That's, that okay as, that as in you're going to shut my, up now? That was my happy face. <laughs> um, what you're supposed to say, is that is that a threat or a promise? Um, <laughs> but no, Jason Crabb has been nominated for Best Contemporary Christian Music Album Grammy Award. That's huge. Nice. Uh, huge, huge, Woo-hoo! huge Grammy Award nomination. Woo-hoo! So, round of applause, round of Yay, applause. Hey,
0: Jason. Applause. Good job, good job. Uh,
1: but no, that's huge. And and it's really cool because um, I feel like everybody, I think there's a correlation. If you appear on the Church Boys, you might be nominated by, for a Grammy like right. a few weeks later um, because, uh,
0: right. uh, go ahead.
1: drum roll, <laughs> so was Chris Tomlin. He's oh, he was? He's also nominated. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know In the that. same category.
0: <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Oh, really? So, they're head to head on that. So, yeah, there's so a competition here's, there. here's my question. Do we need to call Matthew West and say, hey, man, what's going on? I know like, these, two, slack, these two slackers are getting grimy nominations. What are you, what are you doing?
1: What What's do you, crazy is Matthew West deserves to be in there. I'm not just saying that because he's a friend. Like he he definitely deserves to be in there. I think we should. Um, call, I think we should call him sometime soon and. <laughs> let's, let's Say, let the grammy he, nomination pain from today wear off before okay. we do that um <laughs> the pain from not being nominated and we can have but, him, um, we can have him rate retake the uh hack or not a hack quiz i'm so tired of toby mack i'm sorry <laughs> like look you're <laughs> let us just put this out there okay he's talented
0: you, though he's really yeah, talented, talented
1: i agree but let other people be nominated enough
0: well, he's um how no cool many times he's, he's been nominated he's
1: not doing the nominating Oh, Matt Marr, also nominated. Who 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 was at a Blaze event two years ago, yeah, and we've yeah, also interviewed yeah, you haven't, but I've interviewed Matt Marr for the that's Blaze. That's right. That's right. Wait a minute. This is crazy. All these people the Blaze made famous apparently and gave them, nomina- nominations nominations. Yes, yeah. Because
0: because Tomlin and Crab and uh, Mar were not uh, famous before they came on the <laughs> show. No, but look, we just this happened to we happened to find cute. them. We are. They were
1: street performers. And we happened to bring them in, interviewed them. <laughs> We discovered them on the subway right. platform. <laughs> but the bottom line is, if you look at this, we are awesome that we were able to get two Grammy nominated. Look and they may have. I think, actually, I'm pretty sure Chris Tomlin won a Grammy. And I think, pretty sure, both of them have won Grammys before. Oh, really? What about Matthew uh, West? You know, I don't know. We're going to send I'm gonna look-
0: this, we're gonna have to send this to Matthew.
1: <laughs> I'm looking right now. Because if All he right. hasn't, you need to be nice to him.
0: Because it'll, it'll hurt
1: his feelings. Because he is a delicate flower. Let's see here. Um, he he has been nominated for Grammys, has not won. Oh, that's a shame. I can Doesn't see you feel like a bad person hey, ever. Hey, hey,
0: hey, Matthew West, uh, lose our phone number, would you?
1: Oh my gosh, you're oh, awful. Whatever. Um, we want to deal with successful people. He's won Dove Award. Oh, he's won a Dove Award. Good. Yay! Well, for, yay for him. Good job. Good job, Matthew off. West. I just love yeah.
0: Matthew West. He's just such a good boy.
1: Oh, we're gonna go back to that. I'm looking. Hold on, I'm looking at okay. Jason Crab now because right. I want to know.
0: Well, his family may have won. Yeah,
1: they won it as a family. I'm yeah, sure, and that counts. You know,
0: you are Grammy winning if you are part of that clan, that group that wins. You know. Well,
1: it looks like he did win one for a bluegrass album. Oh, really? In the past, a southern bluegrass album in the oh, past. Really? Um, let's see, Discography. Oh my gosh! Jeez, he's so accomplished. I can't find. He's won a, a ton of. Okay, he did. He won in twenty ten. He won for Grammy. best southern country bluegrass gospel album. Oh really? Wow! Look at that. There you go. So he, this <laughs> would be like, his second win. So and, um, then, and and Tomlin, you say has won before? I'm pretty sure. I'm not gonna look. Look, <laughs> right. I like Chris Tomlin. We're just not really right. friends. I'm right. friends with Jason right. Crab. So sorry. Right. And Matthew West, the the underperforming, more of a B-level, you know, uh, artist. Oh, oh, but we're also, and this is actually happening this week, we're yeah, having are Crowder you spr- on Are you the show.
0: Are you springing something else on me
1: now? Yeah, I'm springing okay. something else on you. We're having, actually, wait, let me, while we're in free form, let me just throw a couple things out there. <laughs> Why don't you go ahead, and, we are go ahead
0: having... and program and produce the show as we're sitting here. I'll just listen
1: and take notes. We are so I having, what's going on listen, in my we're, we're having Crowder on the show this week, who is David, also nominated for a Grammy. David Crowder? Yeah. Okay. I like David. Okay. Don't sound too excited. I like him a lot. Um, And also, we are having um, Kim Kardashian and Kanye West. No, we're not. The guy who married them on the show this week. The pastor. We're having their pastor. Yeah, we're not
0: putting them on our show. Oh, I would. I would too. And a heartbeat.
1: And a heartbeat. We need to get RuPaul on the show. You had said you wanted that interview. Yeah, I would love to. It'd be fascinating to talk to him or her. Um, all right, well what, I've what had enough.
0: Doing, what are you doing? You're
1: just staring blankly at the screen. What are you doing? No, I was looking at a breaking news headline. We're in the middle of a show right now. <laughs> Sorry it popped <laughs> up. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: All right. Well, we gotta go. We gotta we gotta head out and we both have work to do and you know, yay for us with Booty. the bonus show and all that stuff. So any words for of wisdom for the people?
1: Um Trim your trees. Trim your trees. Read your
0: Gideon Bibles, by the way. And The Blaze. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.